Today on Ag News Daily. Initial details of, of what they're trying to accomplish. If we think that it could be a good fit, uh, the customer will send in a sample. And then that sample, we have a testing lab that we uh, we try to mimic what we're going to do on uh, you know larger scale. Good afternoon and welcome to Tuesday's episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr and I am recording by myself today as Delaney is gearing up for World Pork Expo. Of course, I am going to World Pork Expo. In fact, I am recording live from Des Moines, Iowa right now, but she is putting up the booth for Trader PhD, which of course is her full-time gig. And I'm going to probably be running like a chicken with my head cut off tomorrow as we kick off into three days of seminars and networking opportunities, all of those sorts of things. So I'm going to be doing a lot of that while she mans that booth. Hopefully we get to get together for a couple of interviews, but I am very excited nonetheless. It's going to be our first time time meeting tonight. It's like a, a blind date kind of thing, even though we've known each other for over a year now, we've never met in person. So it's definitely going to be a joy. But kicking things off here, of course, it is World Pork Expo week. There aren't going to be any pigs, any live pigs this year, of course. But like I said before, we are going to be listening in on some seminars, going to be connecting with some folks that are in the exhibition hall. And I hope that you guys will tune in over the course of the next couple of days to go along that journey with me. But other than that, I've got a few news stories and uh, a fun one that I'll go ahead and kick things off for you with right now. It's not so much news as it is an announcement, but Milk Flip Cup is uh, presented this year by the premier sponsor Diamond V. And it's just a, a fun game of... Flip Cup, I guess, with some social media influencers. They are doing this to raise money for Feeding America. So I highly suggest you go look at Milk Flip Cup on Instagram. They've got some fun stuff already. But I mean, it is dairy month, so you might as well go and watch and follow along with them to show your support for our dairy men and women here in the U.S., but other than that, I want to kick things off here talking about the White House Supply Chain Task Force, as this has been newly established under the Biden administration to address near-term supply chain challenges to economic recovery. The Supply Chain Distributions Task Force, led by the Secretaries of Commerce, Transportation, and Agriculture, will focus on solving issues where a mismatch between supply and demand has been evident, including the food sector. The White House says that it hopes the task force will help alleviate bottlenecks and supply constraints. The Department of Commerce is being charged with collecting supply chain data to better the federal government's ability to identify near-term risks. I mean, I think we've seen a couple of bottlenecks and kind of hiccups along the supply chain I mean, just in the past couple of months that I can identify. So I definitely think this is a, a good step moving forward. Going to keep my eye out on how this will help the supply chain. I think it's an interesting task force nonetheless, but going to have to watch their success here in the near future. Hopefully it is, you know, a, a purposeful task force and we do see some success there, but going to keep our eyes out on that. 
Of course, as you may know, it is dicamba season. Farmers are getting into the field spraying dicamba, and I think we're going to see some conversations once again this summer surrounding dicamba and one already coming from the state of Arkansas. The Arkansas State Plant Boards recently adopted emergency rule amendments regarding the use and application of dicamba are now in effect once again. Last month, the Pulaski County Circuit Court entered a temporary restraining order delaying implementation of the 2021 amendments on June 7th. The Arkansas Supreme Court issued a state of the circuit court's order. There are four main points of this emergency rule, and those being in-crop application of dicamba shall be prohibited after June 30th. A one-mile buffer in all directions must be maintained between fields where dicamba is applied and research stations operated by the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. A half-mile buffer in all directions must be maintained in all directions between the fields where dicamba is applied and fields where certain organic crops and commercially growing specialty crops are grown. And finally, a quarter-mile buffer must be maintained in all directions between fields where dicamba is applied and fields where soybeans and cotton that are not genetically engineered to resist dicamba are grown. Like I said, I mean, we saw conversations surrounding dicamba last summer. It was pretty intense, I would say. And I don't think that those intense flames are going to be dying out anytime soon. But moving on here, talking about some more crops, specifically talking about sorghum. We've been talking a lot about demand and thanks to increased export demand, solid prices and new technology for weed control, U.S. farmers are planting more green sorghum this planting season. Total U.S. sorghum acres are projected to reach almost 7 million acres this season, according to the most recent USDA Perspective Planning's report. That's more than 1 million acres above the 5.88 million acres USDA says U.S. farmers planted in 2020 and a 12% increase in acreage over 2019. So it does sound like we're going to be seeing a lot more sorghum in the fields. And hopefully that remains good news for our sorghum producers. It sounds like China is on a big buying spree right now with a lot of U.S goods and hopefully that stays the same for sorghum because I mean they are our number one buyer of U.S. sorghum so hopefully this is going to be a wonderful year for our sorghum producers. I just have one more story to share with you guys before we get into the markets and it is concerning Brazil. The South American country is in the worst water crisis in almost a century, and it is expected to impact river navigation and make transportation of goods more expensive in the world's largest exporter of commodities, ranging from soybeans to coffee and sugar. So it's not just these crops like soybeans and corn that we're going to see affected by this. It's going to be crops like sugar and, and coffee as well. We've been talking about how this drought and this water crisis is going to be affecting the crops. But of course, I mean, it's going to be affecting the way, like I said there, that we, or I shouldn't say we, that Brazil is going to be transporting goods. Infrastructure Minister for Brazil said that measures to save water and direct it to power generation would inevitably disrupt navigation on the Tiet Paraná waterway. They also said the government will reduce the draft of ships on the Paraná River Basin, disrupting cargo movements to and from farm states like Paraná and Mato Grosso and a few more as well. 
that basin forms part of Brazil's fourth largest waterway for cargo transport. So it sounds like they are really going to be taking a hit. I I do hope, you know, that we do see some rain down there just from a transportation standpoint, because it's not only going to be affecting Brazil, but it's, of course, going to be affecting the people who are exporting to Brazil or, you know, receiving Brazilian imports. So hopefully they do get some rain down there and we don't see any hiccups along the transportation waterways because, I mean, I've, I've told Delaney this just the other day, but I think that we've seen so many bumps in, in the road when it comes to transportation, no pun intended, over the past couple of months or so. So this would honestly just be another stick in the mud. But like I said, that is my final story of the day. So I'm going to go ahead and start talking numbers here. But like I said, that is my final story of the day. So I'm going to go ahead and start talking numbers here. And more specifically, how the commodity, how the commodity markets ended for the day. Starting out here in corn, we saw the July contract up three quarters of a cent to close at 680. The September up seven cents to close at 6.28 and the Dece up six and three quarter cents to close at 6.09 and a half. Soybeans green on the screen here again. And now that I'm paying attention to it, there looks like there is a green all across the screen when it comes to grains, but more specifically here in soybeans, let's stop and take a look here. The July up 19 and three quarter cents to close at 15.80. The August up 17 and a a quarter cent to close at 15.39 and a half. And the November up 17 flats close at 14.57. In the wheat markets, the July contract up five cents to close at 6.85. The September up five and a quarter cent to close at 6.91 and three quarters. The December down four and three quarters to close at 6.99 and a quarter. Heading over here into livestock. We've got some mixed trade across the livestock markets, but here in live cattle, it's green in the June contract up five cents to close at 116.7 and a quarter. The August up half a cent to close at 117.8 and a quarter. The October up again here at two and a quarter to close at 123.9 and a quarter. In feeder cattle, red across the screen and starting off here in the August contract, down nine and a half cents to close at 149.2 and a half. The September down six and three quarters to close at 151.9 and a half. The October down four cents to close at 154.2 and a half. In lean hogs, mixed trade, the June up eight cents to close at 120 and seven cents. The July down three cents to close at 121 and eight cents. The August down two and a quarter to close at 118, six and three quarters. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures, red across the screen here, starting out in the June contract, down 13 cents to close at 17.02, the July down 16 cents to close at 17.46, and the August down eight cents to close at 18.31. With that, I am going to kick it over to our Tech Tuesday conversation. Well, for this Tech Tuesday episode, we are talking to Alex Pearson, who is in the Research and Development Department at RMS Roller Grinder, and he's also a part of the leadership team over there. So, Alex, thank you so much for coming on and chatting technology with us today. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. So before we get talking about RMS and what it is that you guys are doing, because you're working with not just the ag industry, but the brewing industry as well, which I definitely want to touch on, because I think that that's a very fun aspect of agriculture. Before we get into that, I want to know a little bit more about you. So tell us more about your background and what working at RMS looks like for you. Sure. So I have been with the company for 23 years. Uh, I actually started here when I was in middle school. My dad was a welder. And uh, the owner of the company, the previous owner of the company was nice enough to help me with my schooling. I uh, went to school for engineering, uh, mechanical engineering, and then uh, and manufacturing engineering. Uh, so I worked in the shop, um, you know, manufacturing the machines. I've designed the machines. I worked in the field, helping customers install their machines. I've, I've really moved all around the, com- the company. There really isn't anything I haven't done. And more recently, um, within the last five years, um, I oversee our research and development department, um, working on new products and services for our customers, um, and then going out visiting our customers to better understand how they might um, how they might use those products and what will be valuable for them in the future. That's neat, Alex. I mean, you've literally grown up with this company and been involved with this company from a young age. So that's a super, super neat story there that you have to share. But give us the 10,000 foot view. What does RMS do for the ag and brewing industry, as Ashton mentioned there? Sure. So in the ag industry as a whole, um, a lot of different sectors um, we help. Uh, So as you kind of mentioned, brewery, we grind up grain for the brewery industry. Um, So there, it's kind of a unique, unique area um, where how they want their grain, types of grain they use, how they store it, how they convey it, how they eventually mill it, um, or crush it. They call it crushing in the, in the, in the brewery world. Um, so we, we definitely do a lot of business in that industry, um, pretty much from the point where you were to unload the grain, to store it, to convey it, to mill it uh, or crush it, and then uh, store it again. And then right before it gets to the brew house. And the brew house is, the generally speaking, the the area of the brewery that is, you know, really shiny and, and uh, you know, stainless steel. So everything up to that point, we we help customers um, size the equipment, install it, train them, maintenance them, things like that. So we also uh, do business uh, a lot of business in the ethanol industry. Uh, so you know, across across the United States and Canada, uh, we also do business in the soybean processing industry. So um, you know, milling the uh, you know, or crushing the the, the grain there. Um, business and feed mills uh, on the farm. Uh, And then we also have kind of a wide variety of other industries that we also help uh, fertilizer, uh, grinding fertilizer. Uh, And then there's really, really unique ones where we are, uh, for instance, like helping develop systems for unique fertilizers, like pelletizing, um, like chicken manure, um, and then, and then reselling it for, and then crumbleizing it, which is decreasing the particle size. For a variety of applications, like uh, we have one unique one that I that we recently helped was uh, for uh, golf courses. So they they have very high end fertilizer that they use chicken manure for for golf courses uh, for the greens and tee boxes. So I mean, really, really wide variety of uh, unique applications. I would say that's probably ten to fifteen percent of our business per year. Alex, that's a a lot to take in. I mean, you guys are working with so many different industries doing so many different things. It's 
kind of hard to wrap your mind around all of that. But when it comes down to particle size, I mean, the RMS website says that it really is a science and you have a, a testing lab, a particle size testing lab at RMS. So why don't you kind of go over that with us and share what it is that you guys do there? Yeah, so uh, I guess the ground, all those industries I just mentioned, and as you mentioned, it's it's all in particle size reduction. So it's anything around particle size reduction um, and in particle size reduction. So conveying it to the machine, away from the machine, how to weigh it, how to how to how to meter it, how to uh, handle it, um, you know, whatever the material is that we're grinding. So it's it's. It does. So that, that's where it's kind of grounded. But, you know, as you can kind of imagine, whether we're dealing with spices or we're dealing with coffee or we're dealing with corn or wheat or Milo or you name it, um, you know, that that's kind of the, the common thread. Uh, but uh, but what likely happens is that, you know, a customer hears about us either through word of mouth. We have a lot of word of mouth business or online or through a trade shows that we attend or the magazines that we uh, that we advertise in. And they might call in and they need something unique, you know, um, uh, milled or, or ground up. And so in that scenario, um, lots of times it will we'll ask the customer after we have the details of uh, initial details of, of what they're trying to accomplish. If we think that it could be a good fit, uh, the customer will send in a sample. And then that sample, we have a testing lab that we uh, we try to mimic what we were to do on uh, you know, larger scale. So if a customer, for instance, wants to, uh, you know, grind up, uh, let's just say something for brewery. Let's use an example of uh, wheat um, at a rate of five ton per hour. And they want a starting particle size. What they're going to start with is whole wheat. And they want to get down to say uh, one millimeter or a thousand micrograms. And uh, so from there, what we would do if we've never done that before, in this case, we would have, but let's just say we hadn't. The customer would send in the type of grain that he plans on, on using. And then uh, we would uh, do test grinding um, at our in our lab, where we have a wide variety of machines that we have set up, so we can manipulate the roll gaps, the rolls themselves, the corrugations on the rolls, speed of the rolls, the differential of the rolls, so how fast they're they're running in comparison to each other, the different feed rates that we might feed the machine at. So just really all of the variables that we have uh, to control uh, to try to hit that customer specification. And then from there, um, if we do, if we if we feel confident, we can get the job done. We will size that up and quote the customer uh, for their application, and that might be just for the machine, or it could be for a, a turnkey solution um, to help uh, help them accomplish that that particular target. And so, when you are going through testing uh, those various sample sizes, how do you go about? Because I see on your website here, you've got different sizes of roller mills. You've got a single, double, triple, and quadruple. How do you go about determining which roller size is the best fit? Is it just how fine you want those particles to get down? Good question. Uh, so it's a combination, I would say, generally speaking, of two things. Number one is the the degree at which you want the particle size to decrease. So um, so Milo berries, for instance, or Milo, uh, that's already very small. And let's say you only want it cracked in half. In that scenario, you only need one set of rolls because you're doing very little size reduction. Uh, now, in the in, in contrary, let's say you were doing something larger. Well, let's say you were doing you know something the size of say softballs or um, you know golf balls, and you wanted it to be ground up to the size of say flour like you cook with. Um, 
you know, in that scenario, we, w- we would likely use, depending on the product, but generally speaking, you would probably use more sets of roles because you're doing more work. Um, so that would be how to choose the number of sets of roles. And then uh, as far as size of role, so the, the diameter and the width, that is typically sized based on the amount that you want to process. So number of sets is particle size dependent, and then the amount of material, so one ton versus, say, 100 ton per hour, um, is the size of the roll. Well, Alex, it's been really great to hear about RMS and the technologies that you guys are using and how you really help the ag and the brewing industry. If any folks out there are wanting to look a little bit more into RMS and maybe incorporate that technology onto their operation, where can they find you guys at online? Yeah, so multiple places. I would say the first place to check out would be our website. It's RMS Roller hyphen grinder.com or just Google RMS roller grinder. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel. So if you want to see more about maybe the different applications or the trainings that we offer our customers, and then uh, obviously Facebook and all the social media, other social medias as well. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you once more for coming on and chatting technology with us today. We certainly appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Thanks again there to Alex from RMS for coming and chatting with us today. I don't know if they will be at World Pork Expo, but if they are, I'm going to have to stop by and say hi. I know a couple of our past Tech Tuesday interviews or interviewees, I should say, are going to be here. So I'm going to stop, say hi to them, and of course, take you guys along with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. So if you're not following us already, please be sure to do so as I am going to be giving you all of the behind the scenes at World Pork Expo. With that, I'm going to let the people go. Oh.